Welcome to Zikru Daf Siman Remember by Avram Goldhar, and today we're Mesechus Ksubas Daf Mem Gimel, the fourth parak in the Arshinis Pasasa. The Zikru Mesechus Ksubas program has been generously sponsored as a schus for Hakazachas Torah. So the three tops are going to focus on number one. Rabbi Avina asked Rav Sheshes, "Basani zonis mina achin, masi adelami, a daughter who is being supported by her brothers from her father's estate, to whom do her earnings belong? Do we say?" that they stand in place of their father. And just as there her earnings belong to the father, so to here her earnings belong to the brothers. Or do we say that the brothers are not like the father? For there she's being supported from that which is his, whereas here she's not being supported from that which is theirs. Rav Sheish has responded that Rabbi Avina has already learned the answer in a mission that states, An almana is supported from the property inherited by orphans, and her earnings belong to them. Rush explains, that we see from here that sons stand in the place of their father. Rav Yosef challenged Rav Sheshaz's ruling, which Rav explains is based on a Mishnah, from which he learned, that her earnings are like what she finds, just as what she finds during her father's lifetime belongs to him, and what she finds after her father's death belongs to her, so to what she earns during his lifetime belongs to the father, but after his death belongs to her. Point number two is said in the name of Rav, Bas hanizonas achin a daughter is being supported from the estate by her brothers, her earnings belong to her, for it is written, in regard to an Evakanani, You shall keep them in your possession for your children after you to inherit. This implies, Only they are passed on as a heritage to your children, but your daughters are not passed on as a heritage to your children. This tells us that a person does not bequeath to a son the rights of the Torah grants him in his daughter. And pointing with you, the next Mishnah states, Hama'ars is bitovigersha, ersav and isarmala, ksubasa shalo. If one gave his daughter, who was a katana or nara in Erisin, and the chasen divorced her before Nisuan, and then the father gave her over a second time, and she was widowed before Nisuan, her ksuba from both marriages belonged to the father. If he gave her in Nisuan, and the chasen divorced her, and the father gave her in Nisuan a second time, and she was widowed, Ksubasa Shalah. The Ksuba from both marriages belonged to her. Rav Yudah says, Arishona Shalav. The first Ksuba belongs to the father. They said to him, Once he gave her Nesuin, her father has no Rishus over her. Rabbi and Rav Yosef give a reason for Rav Yudah's opinion that the first Ksuba belongs to the father, which the more challenges and then amends to since they are written while she's still in her father's Rishus. Since the Ksuba is written before the Nesuin, while the daughter is in Arusa and still in her father's Rishus, the father acquires the rights to the monies in the first Ksuba. So once again, the three points are number one. Rabbi Avina asks Rabbi A daughter who is being supported by her brothers from her father's estate to whom do her earnings belong. Do we say, that they stand in place of their father, and just as there her earnings belong to the father, so to here her earnings belong to the brothers, or do we say that the brothers are not like the father? For there she's being supported from that which is his, whereas here she's not being supported from that which is theirs. Rav Sheish has responded that Rabbi Avina has already learned the answer in a mission that states, An almana is supported from the property inherited by orphans, and her earnings belong to them. Rush explains that we see from here that sons stand in the place of their father. Rav Yosef challenged Rav Sheish's ruling, which Rav explains is based on a Mishnah, from which he learned, that her earnings are like what she finds, just as what she finds during her father's lifetime belongs to him, and what she finds after her father's death belongs to her, so to what she earns during his lifetime belongs to the father, but after his death belongs to her. 
point number two is said in the name of Rav. Bas hanizonas mina achin atzma. A daughter is being supported from the estate by her brothers. Her earnings belong to her. For it is written in regard to an avikanani, You shall keep them in your possession for your children after you to inherit. This implies only they are passed on as a heritage to your children, but your daughters are not passed on as a heritage to your children. This tells us that a person does not bequeath to his son the rights that the Torah grants him in his daughter. And point with you, the next Mishnah states, If one gave his daughter, who was a katana or nara in Erisin, and the chassan divorced her before Nisuan, and then the father gave her over a second time, and she was widowed before Nisuan, her ksuba from both marriages belonged to the father. If he gave her a Nisuan, and the chassan divorced her, and the father gave her a Nisuan a second time, and she was widowed, ksuba sashala, the ksuba from both marriages belonged to her. Rabbi Yudah says, Arishona shall of, the first ksuba belongs to the father. They said to him, Once he gave her a Nisuan, her father has no Rishus over her. Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef give a reason for Rabbi Yudah's opinion that the first ksuba belongs to the father, which the more challenges and then amends to since they are written while she's still in her father's rishus, since the ksuba is written before the nesuin, while the daughter is in arusa and still in her father's rishus, the father acquires the rights to the monies in the first ksuba. All right, so now we go to our simmer.mem mem gimel, our standard simon is a magazine. A magazine. So here goes. The daughter whose room was filled with all the magazines she bought, with the money she made after her father's death, had the evakanani who was bequeathed to her brothers keep them tidy who she tipped using the money she received from two ksubas after her father had married her off twice. Once again, in slow motion. The daughter whose room was filled with all the magazines. Magazines? That must have been off. Mem Gimel. The daughter whose room was filled with all the magazines she bought with the money she made after her father's death. Which reminds us, Rebbe Vinas, Rebbe Sheshus, a daughter is being supported by her brothers from her father's estate to whom her earnings belong. Rav Shesha's answer, they belong to the brothers, but Rav Yosef challenged him, which Rav explains is based on a mission from which he learned, that her earnings are like what she finds, just as what she finds during her father's lifetime belongs to him, and what she finds after her father's death belongs to her, so to what she earns during his lifetime belongs to the father, but after his death belongs to her. So the daughter whose room was filled with all the magazines she bought, with the money she made after her father's death, had the Evakanani who was bequeathed to her brothers keep them tidy, which reminds us, it was said in the name of Rav, a daughter who was being supported from the estate by her brothers, her earnings belonged to her, for it was written in regard to an Evakanani, you shall keep them in your possession for your children after you to inherit. This implies only they are passed on as a heritage to your children, but your daughters are not passed on as a heritage to your children. This tells us that a person does not bequeath to his son the rights that the Torah grants him in his daughter. So, the daughter whose room was filled with all the magazines she bought, with the money she made after her father's death, had the Evakanani who was bequeathed to her brothers keep them tidy, who she tipped using the money she received from two kasubas after her father had married her off twice.
which reminds us, the next mission states that if one gave his daughter, who is a katana or a nara in Erison, and the husband divorced her before Nisuin, and then the father gave her over a second time, and she was widowed before Nisuin, her exuber from both marriages belonged to the father. If he gave her in Nisuin and the chassan divorced her, and the father gave her in Nisuin a second time, and she was widowed, Ksubasa Shalah, the Ksuba from both marriages, belonged to her. Rabbi Yudah says, Harishona Shalav, the first Ksuba belongs to the father. The Gemara explains the Malchokas. So once again, the daughter whose room was filled with all the magazines she bought, with the money she made after her father's death, had the Eva Kanani who was bequeathed to her brothers keep them tidy who she tipped using the money she received from two kasubas after her father had married her off. Twice. All right, now it's time for four blot back Hazara. Daf Lamates. So the similar Daf Lamates is a letter, and we often use a mailman. So here goes. The mailman, mailman. That must be more Daf Lamates. Letter. The mailman who delivered the Knas package to the Na'ara, who got married after she was violated, which reminds us, Rav asked the Bai, Baal Havin Yisar what's the halacha? If one violated a Na'ara and she became engaged before the violator was found guilty. Abaya answered, the Pasuk does not say, and the violator shall give to the father of the Nara who was not engaged. And this is different from the case where she got married. For just as her becoming, a Bulgaris removes a daughter from her father's Hushos, and marriage removes her from her father's Hushos, then just as in the case of a Bulgaris where one violates her as a Nara and she becomes a Bulgaris before judgment, she gets the Kanas, so too in the case of her marrying, she gets the Kanas. But with regard to Kedushin, she's not completely removed from her father's Hushos, in that her father and her husband can annul her nadarin. So the mailman who delivered the kanas package to the Na'ara, who got married after she was violated, along with a big poster from Basin, listing the differences between Ha'onis and the Mafata, which reminds us, the next Mishnah lists the differences between Ha'onis and the Mafata in terms of the payments that are made and when they must marry the woman. So the mailman who delivered the kanas package to the Na'ara, who got married after she was violated, along with a big poster from Basin, listing the differences between Ha'onis and the Mafata, overheard her tell her father she was so grateful he prevented her marriage to the one who violated her from happening. Which reminds us, it was taught in the Bryce that in both cases of seducer and the violator, both she and her father can prevent the marriage from taking place. The Gemara where is it known that the father can block the marriage if she's violated? Abaya answered, It's logical that the sinner should not be rewarded for his sin. And Rabbi said, it's a call of Homer. If in the case of the seducer who only went against the will of the father, both the girl and the father can prevent the marriage, then all the more so with the violator who went against the will of the father and the daughter, he or she can prevent the marriage. Daf Mem, so the Simmer Daf Mem is a swimming pool. So here goes. When the Nara Mamzeris was instructed to say she doesn't want to marry her violator, he dove into the pool. Pool, that must be on Daf Mem, Mime, swimming pool. When the Na'ar Mamzeris was instructed to say she doesn't want to marry her violator, which reminds us, if one violates a woman who is unfit to marry a Jew, such as a Mamzeris, he's not permitted to keep her. For the Pusik states, Velociele Isha, and she shall be to him a wife, which implies Isha Haruilo, a woman who is fit for marriage to him, Rav Ghana said. That he said the following argument in the presence of Rav Zvid from Narda. They let the Asi of his marrying her be docha. The Losa say of not marrying a woman who is not fit to marry. Ravzid responded that we say, Ase Dokhilosa say in cases like Nila and Saras, where it's impossible to choose not to fulfill the Ase. But here, although the violator has the mitzvah to marry the woman, if she says, I do not want him as a husband, is there any mitzvah's Ase at all? Rashi explains that in all cases of unfit women, we instruct them to say she doesn't want the violator to be a husband, so that there is no mitzvah's Ase. So when the Nara Mamzeris was instructed to say she doesn't want to marry her violator, 
He dove into the pool to escape the boshes of begum payments, which are not included in the kanas. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks, why not say that the 50 slime is the payment for kanas, boshes, and begum? A buy answers that the Pusik states that the violator pays a kanas, takas not because he has afflicted her, which implies that they are paid specifically because he violated her. And besides his payment for affliction, there are additional payments of boshes begum. Rabbah gives an alternative answer from the Pusik that states, the man who lay with her shall give the father of the girl 50 silver shekels. This implies Hanos Shkiva Chamishim, that for the pleasure of lying with her, he pays with the shekels of the father. But called the Ekeboshes Begum, from here we can infer that there are additional payments of embarrassment and depreciation. So, when the Nara Mamzeris was instructed to say she does not want to marry her violator, he dove into the pool to escape the Boshes Begum payments, which are not included in the Kanas, but was captured by her father, who was eager to receive them and was planning to marry her off to Amukha Shreen, which reminds us. It's logical that Boshas and Magam go to the father, for if he wishes, he can give over to a man who is repulsive, or Amukha Shreen, afflicted with boils. Rashi explains that it's in the father's rishus to embarrass her and appreciate her value through relations with her repulsive person in exchange for the Kedusha money. So since the violator preempted the father by embarrassing her and depreciating her value, he causes the father to lose out from the money he could have received. Daf Memov. So the similar Daf Memov is a grandma. So here goes. The grandma, grandma. That must be more in Daf Memov. The grandma who told Basin she would certainly object if they let him a fata ruin her granddaughter's wonderful reputation, which reminds us the next mission which states the one who says I seduced Pony's daughter pays for Boshes Begum but does not pay the Knast does not go according to the Tana of price we taught that a Mafatu confesses even Boshes Begum he doesn't have to pay for he's not believed to discredit the daughter Pony. Rapapa asked the buyer what would be the luck if it was acceptable to the girl to suffer a bad reputation in order to receive the Boshes Begum and the Gemara answers that perhaps it's not acceptable to her father and even if it was perhaps it's not acceptable to members of the family. Rashi explains that it's not for Basin to do something that will sustain the family's embarrassment. And even if it was acceptable to them, it's impossible there's not one family member in a distant land for whom it's not acceptable. So the grandma who told Basin she would certainly object if they let him afata ruin her granddaughter's wonderful reputation was incensed when Basin informed her she owed Chetzinezek as a kanas because her ox scored, which reminds us more brings Malchokas regarding Chetzinezek. Half damages which are paid when a short time damages. Rapapa said Palganiska Mamona, half damages are payment of damages. Where Huda Braid Rav Yeshua says Palganiska Kanasa, half damages are Kanas. So the grandma told Basin she would certainly object if they let a Mafata ruin her granddaughter's wonderful reputation. Was incensed when Basin informed her she owed Nezik as a Kanas because her ox gored and that she had a court date in Eretz Yisrael because her kitty cat was a killer and eating. Large chickens, which reminds us. The Gemara states that now that it has been established that Chetzinezek is a kanas, in the case of a dog that killed and ate a sheep, or a cat that killed and ate large chickens, it's a case of unusual damage and we do not collect it in Babel. Collection of a kanas requires dayanim with smicha, and smicha can only be given in Eretz Yisrael. But if the damaged party sees property the owner of the dog or cat, we do not take it away from him. And if the damaged party said to Basin, set up date for me to go to Eretz Yisrael to present the case in Basin with dayanim, we have smicha, the courts set a date for him. And if the damager doesn't go by that date, we place a ban on him. Daf Mem Beis. So the similar Daf Mem Beis is a mobster. So here goes. The mobster's son's mobster. That must be more in Daf Mem Beis. The mobster's sons who watched their father die in rage when he learned that the Ma'anas who admitted after he swore 
was Pater, which reminds us, it was taught in the Mishnah in Shavuos. If one says to another, Anastu Batisa is beat to you, violated my daughter, or you seduced my daughter, and the defendant responds that he did not, and the father makes him swear, and afterwards the defendant admits that he violated or seduced her, and that he had sworn falsely, he's hired to pay the claim, and an additional fifth, and bring an ashim. But Rav Shimon exempts him. Shainam Rishalm, Kanas, Alpi Asma, for the din is that one does not pay a Kanas by his own admission. The Chami said to him that even though he doesn't pay Kanas by his own admission, he does pay for Boshu's Bagam by his own admission. Since his denial has a monetary consequence, he is Chayvanashim for his false oath. So the mobster's sons who watched their father die in rage when he learned that the Ma'anis who admitted after he swore was Pater, were hoping that they would inherit another uncollected 50 shekel Kanas, which reminds us, Abai asks his Rebbe, Rabba, one who says to another that you violated or seduced my daughter and I sued you in Basin, and you were obligated to pay me money, referring to the 15 shekel kanas, and the defendant denies it all, swears, and then later confesses that he swore falsely, what's the law according to Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi says that, in fact, Rabbi Shimon does not treat a kanas after conviction as money. And when he said that Rabbi Shimon does treat it as money, it was with respect to bequeathing it to his sons. So the mobster's sons who watched their father die in rage when he learned that the ma'anis who admitted after he swore was Pater, were hoping that they would inherit another uncollected 50 shekel kanas. But were informed that a father is only entitled to a kanas when it is actually given to him. Which reminds me of Yosef explained that in the case of Onus and Mephata, the Pusik states, The man who lay with her shall give the father of the girl 50 silver pieces. The Torah did not entitle the father to the Kanas until the moment it is actually given to him. When Rabbi said that a fine after conviction is considered money with respect to bequeathing it to his sons, Bashar Kanasos, it was with respect to other fines. All right, so now it's time to conclude with our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, which stuff do you the Rabbi said that Rabbi Shimon treats a Kanas as money with regards to bequeathing it to one's sons? That's on Duff. Membase. Good. Number two. Which stuff that a daughter's earnings after her father's death is like what she finds after his death? Just as she keeps what she finds, she keeps what she earns. That's on Duff. Mem Gimel. Good. Number three. Which stuff that Rabbi Shimon holds that if one swore that he was not Ma'anis or Mafata and then admitted he's Pata from a Kanas? That's on Duff. Membeis. Good number four. Which stuff do we between the Chachamim and Rabbi Yehuda? If a girl was married off twice, whether she gets both ksubas or her father gets the money from the first one, that's on Duff. Mem Gimel. Good number five. Which stuff do you the Boshes and become go to the father since he's the one losing out, since he could have married her off to a maneuver or mukhashchin, that's on Duff. Mem. Good number six. Which of the women, a nar who gets engaged after she is violated, the father keeps the kanas, but if she gets married, she gets to keep it. That's on Duff. Amatess. Good number seven. Which of the women from the Pusik that an evkanani is bequeathed to one's sons, but not one's daughter's earnings? That's on Duff. Mem Gimel. Good number eight. Which of the one that Torah did not entitle the father to the kanas until the moment it is actually given to him? That's on Duff. Membeis. Good number nine. Which of the one why it's necessary to teach that kofar, atoma money, cannot be given by those who murder Bamezid or Bashogeg? That's on Duff. 
Lamed Zayin. Good. And number 10, which of them that since a basin and bubble cannot judge cases of kanas, if the damaged party wants, they can set a court date in Eretz Yisrael. That's on Duff. Memo of Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ron Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.